and welcome to Under London's Ground, the podcast by archaeologists who love London and all the weird, wonderful, amazing and quirky things that have happened here. I'm Amy Atkins and with me is my esteemed colleague, Paul McGarrity. Hello. Hello. Um, Some of you may have noticed that uh, we've had a gap between the first uh, group of episodes and where we are now. Uh, There's a couple of reasons for that. Paramount amongst them is that I have been a very selfish young man yep. uh, and have uh, recently become a father. So, so selfish. So, selfish. <laughs> uh, so I was taking some extended leave at the beginning of the year. But the other thing was we wanted to put out those first couple of episodes uh, to just sort of gauge uh, the reaction to them. And we can say that we're actually very pleasantly surprised by how people very have reacted. Surprised. No. <laughs> It's been very nice, actually. People have come back and said uh, really nice things about it. Um, We have taken some uh, uh, comments on board, and we're hoping that now that uh, my child is the ripe old age of five months, uh, all of the hard work's over, right? I do have to say, I I think this kind of sunken, tired look that you have on your face (laughs) is really working for you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) We will be continuing uh, onwards from this point to give you uh, as many episodes of uh, Under London's Ground podcast as we possibly can. Um, Until you're selfish again. Have another one. There will be no other children (laughs) for reasons that are not for a family podcast. Um, But basically, we're here to share some of our favourite facts about London's history, um, and we've given each other the headline of the fact, but the rest is completely new to the other person. So, without further ado, welcome to episode six, Sanctuary and Hellfire. Do you want to start off with some Sanctuary? Some Sanctuary. Before I go in with the Hellfire. (laughs) (laughs) Hit it with the Sanctuary, clean up with the Hellfire. Um, Yes, I'm going to start with the Sanctuary. Um, are you aware of the Temple Church in Temple? I am. Yes, good. That's a good start. <laughs> because I take part in this podcast. Excellent work. <laughs> um, and how about the uh, the Carmelite um, monks that were based there that gave their name to the area of Whitefriars? No, you've lost me there. Right. So, Whitefriars, Blackfriars, uh, different monks are in different areas. They wear different uh, tops. The Carmelites were white. That is why White Fries is called White Fries. Okay, cool. Job is a good one until. Well, it's a great job to be a monk, actually. You're sort of like fed. Uh, no sex, though. And, mm, <laughs> mm, I mean, <laughs> there, there, are, there are names. As job that, descriptions go, yeah, it's a bit of a drawback. <laughs> ex- except that, like, I mean, if we're talking about ecclesiastical troublemakery. Oh, my favourite topic. Uh, yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> The surname, what is it? Um, Fitz, not not Fitzroy. There's well, there's one of them which is uh, Fitz, meaning as, as a prefix to a surname. Doesn't that mean bastard? It does mean bastard. Yeah. And there's one that is for bishops. And actually, having said that, yeah. I think also the nuns of Barking owned a series of brothels along yeah. the South Bank. And the Bishop of Winchester licensed prostitution on the South Bank. Which is Bank. why they were called Winchester Geese. Yes. Okay, so they had a lot of sex. Um, <laughs> it was bawling to be a monk. <laughs> However, this story is not about uh, Cadfile doing the dirty. <laughs> so I've completely derailed your fact. Uh, uh, yeah. 
this is uh, occurs after the dissolution of um, the monasteries. The naughty, naughty monasteries. Naughty, dirty, <laughs> filthy monasteries. Um, and what happened to the land that they owned subsequently? Uh, which is that people started to not really being able to agree on who owned things. So there's um, various areas called liberties, yeah, which are usually associated with ecclesiastical um, organisations. It's the bit of land around the various uh, buildings that were r- owned and run under church law. It's why the Bishop of Winchester could uh, license brothels and bear fights and gin houses and all of the God, things. fun. Yeah, he had. I think he basically was like, "Man will sin, but the church might as well make some money." Um, but they had their con. They could. They were not under the direct control of sort of the city elders. Um, it's why you end up with like uh, theatres and things, and a lot of uh, actors moving to um, these liberties because they were sort of slightly outside of the law. Now. That's grand because you've still got a little bit of legal control because mm-hmm. the church is... I mean, you, you've got a, a religious order in charge, so things are going to be weirdly... <laughs> simultaneously, uh, like... Great and not yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's have all the licensed prostitutes. None of them can be buried on consecrated <laughs> ground. Very mixed messages. Yeah, it was... It was uh, they were bad at being people. Um, <laughs> so that's all... Fine, that operates as long as the ecclesiastical organisations are in place. Roll in, big H8. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Who is like, all right, I want to get a divorce. Catholic Church's like, no. Fine, I'm going to start my own church. Yeah. And you get the dissolution of the monastery. The buildings themselves uh, get occupied because, you know, Buildings are expensive things to put up, and everything that's in them sort of gets moved around. But in all of the the, the hustle and bustle of the uh, biggest uh, socio-political reorganising of Britain in several centuries, certain parts of the liberties get missed. Okay. In that no one technically owns them anymore. Okay. And the laws don't properly apply anymore, because... It would have been that you would go on to them and you've committed a crime and maybe you can get sanctuary from the church or maybe the church goes, no, no, we're going to prosecute as well. But if there's nobody to turn to because you've dissolved them. So are those areas still protected by the kind of law of sanctuary? They were completely outside of any legal control other than a writ of parliament. Like you, Basically, you had to go to the very top to have a specially drafted ru- law to affect anyone in there. So you ended up with these, in- basically, one or two streets. Um, there's a famous one called that was nicknamed Alsatia, which is around Whitefriars. And from 1608, when King James basically mm-hmm. says... Um, Fine, you have a certain measurement of self-government within this area because... Sounds you, quite vague, a certain yeah, measurement a certain of measurement. self-government. But it basically sets up this point where, like, if you commit a crime anywhere else in London and you are able to get into that street, 
they can't serve a writ against you. That's, that's quite similar to the kind of fundamental of seeking sanctuary, whereby if you yeah. committed a crime, you could go to a church, yes. consecrated ground, and Aye. claim sanctuary. And actually, the law was quite specific about that, because you could claim sanctuary for 40 days. Yes. Apart from if it was a really large one like Westminster Abbey, where you could just have criminals live there indefinitely. Yeah, and they wouldn't, like, it wouldn't be allowed to come off the yeah, property. Exactly. So you just... You just try and run. I like the idea of that. If you like commit a crime and someone's spotting you, and then just the race is on. But your options weren't weren't they? If you didn't want, you know, if you were going to leave sanctuary, your options were to go and present yourself to be prosecuted, yeah. go to prison, or you could go in exile and you were escorted to the nearest kind of like. Yeah. They sort of like gave you special dispensation to walk to the river and. Yeah, yeah, and then you're on out. your own. Yeah. Yeah. But. So the liberties are different to that. These ones, because they had had like the law of sanctuary, yeah. But there's no one to apply to. There's no one keeping track of you being just like a patch of ground. Just a patch of ground. There's no one in control of it. It's just if you, it's you know, if you're at school and you're playing tig, everyone agrees that if you're on the bench, you can't be tigged, right? Okay. That's that's the everyone's like that's that's sorry. Safer. Just to clarify, what 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 is tig? Tig, tig your it. Tag. Tig. Tag. Right, okay, there's a north-south divide thing going on here. I was like, okay, you keep using this tig analogy. What the hell is tigging? Tig. Tag. All right, fine. And when someone writes in and says it's actually tog, (laughs) we'll just assume that there are regional differences. But yeah, if everyone's sort of like, basically, everywhere's on, except for weirdly this one bench, and if you stood on it, then if someone stands next to you, ready to tig you, they can get you as soon as you come off. But if they get bored and wander off, you're free... But basically, that was it. Uh, from 1608, when the king was like, just acknowledged that it was a bit hard work to try and mm. close these like liberties down. He, there was no real legal control except for like if the king himself at the tippity tap at the very tippity tap. But like, if I was a sheriff, I couldn't. It was basically a no-go zone. I'd, I'd be able to go up to it. So and people were untiggable. Untiggable, yeah. They're in the base and they're like, you can't get me. And they'd be like openly selling um, fenced goods. Uh, you couldn't like go in with a warrant for arrest because they were not in the jurisdiction of the that's people. So weird. But that, that's quite odd timing then because wasn't it like 1623, 24 when the law of sanctuary was like abolished? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these continued until 1697. Just weird, so, weird little bubbles of... Yeah. 89 years of total lawlessness within those streets. I've kind of got this image in my mind of, like, the rest of London functioning as normal and then little pockets where it's like The Walking Dead. (laughs) Basically. But, like, like, imagine if you're a visitor and no one's told you and you're just walking down the street and then you're suddenly, like, walking... Get stabbed. (laughs) Well, not like the bazaar from Aladdin. Disney's Aladdin. It's just suddenly, like... I like that I think of The Walking Dead. You think of the Disney's Aladdin. (laughs) Um, but when when you when I saw that your fact was on sanctuary, I saw I found this really interesting fact that isn't anything to do with London, but I love it no. that the law of sanctuary was outlawed in England in 1623, but actually some people still attempt it. So I think in 2019 in the Hague there was a family that was protected from deportation when they were seeking asylum, because Dutch law says that police can't enter a consecrated property during rites so the church just performs services around the clock for 96 days oh that's amazing so that the police can enter the building and they did that until this family were granted more time to stay in the Netherlands oh that's absolutely superb isn't it I love that it has nothing to do with London but I read it and I was like yeah let's get in that's a cool church (laughs) very cool church so none of it (laughs) 
Um, in like I say, sixteen ninety seven, they finally put legislation in place to close it down because there's like stories of White Fries is right next to the Inns of Court, and there's stories of barristers getting into like street brawls with the thieves that Which one's live. The thief? hmm? A boom. Social satire for you. Yeah. Um, so obviously, when you start getting into street brawls with barristers, they come at you with the law, and that's what they did. And it was an act for the more effectual relief of creditors in cases of escapes and for preventing abuses in prisons and pretended privileged places. Is that the whole title of it? That was the title of the act. It's not snappy. No, but I like the bit of pretended privileged places, like they're throwing shade. Pretended privileged places. It'd be 89 you years. Might think, you might think you've got sanctuary there. No, honey. No, I have just written a law, and you, my friend, you've just been pretending. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a tig, you now. Yeah, a tig. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> You're on the bench, and someone's just furiously writing a law. Benches are no longer safe. No, but it took them quite a long time to get round to that. Then. Eighty-nine years yeah. of that freedom. Um, but it's not just white fries. So these, are, this is the uh, the listed places that they closed that were similarly um, lawless. Mm. Um, so it's white fries. Savoy, uh, Salisbury Court, Rat. Like, wait, 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 like Savoy pa- Place? Like, yeah, place? Where's, where the Savoy. Uh, oh, is it the same place? Yeah. Okay. Um, Salisbury Court, Ram Alley, Mitre Court, Fuller's Rents, Baldwin's Gardens, Montague Close, and The Clink. Oh, really? Ooh, and The Mint. <laughs> yeah. So does this have anything to do with, have you ever heard of the Liberties of the Fleet? I was actually going to do this as an, a fact in another episode, but yeah. so the Liberties of the Fleet was basically that there was this like le- legal loophole that meant around the Fleet prison, yeah. you could perform on-the-spot marriages like Las Vegas. Huh. And so they had like like 250,000 people do it in like 20 years, do on-the-spot marriages, because you didn't have to have your parents' consent. Um it might be something very similar. That and that kind was called of like... the Liberties of the Fleet, where it was just this weird like legal bubble. Mm. Maybe maybe it's a similar thing then. Yeah. The, 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 I love the idea that people write laws and just sort of go, oh, and I forgot about this. It's, again, not to do with London, but you know that... So during the Crimean War, um, there was a dispute between England and Scotland about who owned Berwick-upon-Tweed. Right? But it was at the time that we declared war on Russia for the, the Crimean we War. A, we had our fingers in many pies. Yeah, yeah. But so when we declared war, everyone was like, mm, nobody's actually sure where Berwick-upon-Tweed is. So what they did is uh, that England, Scotland, and Berwick-upon-Tweed declare war on Russia. Right. Yeah, so they, just because they wanted to be like, oh, we haven't worked it out. So they added Berwick-upon-Tweed in the declaration of war, but they didn't in the declaration of peace. So Beric upon Tweed is still at war with Russia. They finally declared peace, like a, like 10, 15 years ago or something like that. Someone someone read the document Holding and was like, ruh row. <laughs> Look here, everybody. We're still at war with Russia. <laughs> but yeah, they'd been at war for about 150 years. Very, yeah, grudge holders. Yeah, <laughs> that's Beric for you. Cool. Thank you. And that is the end of my sanctuary. And so now it's my hellfire. <laughs> Hellfire clubs. 
how much do you know about Hellfire Club? A small amount, enough to make me nervous. <laughs> so, Hellfire Clubs were basically gentlemen's clubs. And a gentleman's club was not, as I thought for many years, a kind of euphemism for a strip club. Right. That's what I thought it was. But you thought... <laughs> I was like, oh, he's off to a gentleman's. Oh, he's a member of a gentleman's club. So you thought club. all the people who were like down at the RAC... Thought it was like just a nice name for a strip club. But no, a gentleman's club is basically like a very exclusive private members club, as I've, I've come to learn. Yes. Um, and originally for upper-class aristocrats to socialise and watch naked ladies. No. <laughs> um, at one point in London, London's been home to a lot. There were about 400 different private gentleman's clubs in the city. Uh, most of which were based in the West End, which came to be known as Clubland. 400 private 400 members. different private gentlemen's clubs. That's amazing. So before you realised that, you thought there were 400 strip clubs in London. I mean, I'm sure there are 400 strip clubs Central in London. Central London? Yeah. No. They're no. everywhere. All right. They're everywhere, Paul. Anyway, <laughs> the oldest... I, Sounds I've like heard. a field trip. <laughs> um, the oldest gentleman's club is White's, uh, which was founded in 1693. Mm. Um, and it's probably still the most exclusive gentlemen's club. Uh, current members include Prince William and Prince Charles. And interestingly... Not Harry? Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, David Cameron used to be a member, yeah. but resigned because the club doesn't admit women. Although oh. they have let the Queen in twice, but it's quite difficult to say uh, no to When her. you say <laughs> let the Queen in twice, they mean literally, fine, pick him up, he's drunk, get As in, him. they let her enter yeah. the building. Let her come in. Yeah. Pick up Charles when he was hammered, drive him home. Exactly. Because um, even the Queen can't not be the uh, chauffeur for her kids. But it's all, yeah, it's quite difficult to say no to the Queen. She's like, I want to go to White's. You can't be like, uh, sorry. No. He's a lady. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that lady? She's the Queen. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> that's treason. Um, so that's the oldest gentleman's club, but the weirdest gentleman's club, in my opinion... <laughs> Is the Hellfire Club. Yes. So there are actually several Hellfire Clubs, but when you refer to that name, it tends to refer to one particularly well-known one, mm. which was established by Sir Francis Dashwood, fantastic name, nice. in 1721. Cad. 100% Cad. What does that mean? A ne'er-do-well. Oh, a ne'er-do-well. A ne'er-do-well. Oh, okay. Do some um, the Hellfire Club was basically, I can only describe it as pagan, like Bacchanalian. Right. Um, so they had meetings twice a month. Fine. Yeah. Uh, but members had unlimited access to like drugs, alcohol, sex. Right. Uh, and there were kind of like rituals involving naked ladies as altars and like some weird what? stuff went down. And originally me- meetings were held at the George and Vulture Inn. So like the local pub. Oh, right. <laughs> These like... Pay- the George and Vulture that still are going concert. Oh, I don't know. Is it? There's a couple of them that might... Is that a, a... I should... We need to look into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah I don't know. <laughs> but, and this is interesting that it relates to your previous fact. Um, the, later, the clubhouse moved to Medmenham Abbey in Buckinghamshire, and mm. members were referred to as monks, and they dressed as monks. Oh, people need so to have weird. less free time. Um, and it's mentioned in, like, historical records that female guests would attend and dress up as nuns with masks on. And uh. I don't know if that's, like, a euphemism for prostitutes or if yeah. they actually had high society ladies um, attend, but... But, like, members of the Hellfire Club, this Hellfire Club, so did this dirty, dirty stuff. Um, right. Prince of Wales. Yeah. Not current Prince of Wales. He's not that old. The... Prince Charles. Yeah. <laughs> the Earl of Butte, who later became Prime Minister. The Earl of Sandwich, who invented the sandwich. I had the sandwich invented for him. Come on. 
Okay. Come on. <laughs> anyway, gave his name to the sandwich. There we go. And, and I kid you not, an occasional guest was Benjamin Franklin. Okay. Kinky, kinky Ben. <laughs> right. Was he discovering electricity for use in... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Let me see what I can do with this kite. <laughs> Woo! Um, this key was attached to it, but what else? <laughs> so horrible. But this whole thing is just really not nice. Right. Um, but it's worth remembering, like, all yeah. joking aside, in the 1700s, you could be arrested for possessing, like, nudie photos, let alone taking part in, like, really blasphemous pagan rituals yeah, yeah. in a disused abbey. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. You, like, you've got to remember, if you own a nudie picture of a lady bad if you go that far everyone's like just just go for when it these guys became prime minister yeah that's that's why they got away with it but it's it's funny because like l- later on lots of the club members were arrested or exiled so okay. they did follow up with later but the only reason this hellfire club really disintegrated is that sir francis dashwood was appointed chancellor of the exchequer <laughs> he just didn't have time to run it anymore or they were just a bit like mm, yeah Francis, you should probably you should probably quit on the weird monk sex stuff. <laughs> now that you're in I charge of that. the company's yeah. finances. Companies, countries. Com- countries finances. While <laughs> whilst he's looking at Butte. Like yeah. I know what oh, you yeah. do. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I've seen bits of you. I've, I've seen <laughs> Crossing the House of Lords. I've seen what you've done. <laughs> he's like, I've seen what you've I know, done. Things, man. Um so yeah, we that's gotta be one of the weirdest clubs. Another weird club. Hmm? And I, I really love this. I found two weird clubs. I'm just going to run through them. The Travellers Club was formed in 1819 and it still exists today. Yeah. And the thing to become a member is that you have to have travelled out of the British Isles at least 500 miles in a straight line from London. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That's that's the... Um, I classify for that, I think. Huh? I'd get, I'd get into that. Well, on that classification, I could get in. I think me. Too, but it's a lot easier to do now, to be fair, than yeah, in 1890. There so many members. Uh, but interesting members include Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, oh. uh, who announced in 2014 that he was resigning because the club didn't accept women. women. Interesting. <laughs> Just going to let that silence hang there. Uh-huh. That delicious irony. Um, and <laughs> what, what, what delicious irony? No female archbishops. Yeah, but... Bishops and priests can both be women. But not archbishops. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making assumptions. I think they can be. Oh. They just haven't had one. Can we maybe cut that bit out then? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> um, so, another interesting member yeah. was, uh, I don't know how I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, jo- Joachim von Ribbentrop. Oh, Joachim von Ribbentrop. Yeah. Do you know yeah. who he is? Yes. Oh, yeah. He's the German ambassador to the United Kingdom. Yep. He was put in charge of an Anglo-German alliance leading up to the war. Yep. And then, well, that didn't work out so well. Uh, he was foreign minister of uh, Nazi Germany. Yep. And he was a member of the British Travellers Club, so... Yep. <laughs> he was hanged as part of the Nuremberg Club. It's so his, his, cool. his travelling going home was what counted, was it? I don't know. I don't know how far 500 miles is. I'm really bad with distances. Well, do you know who you need to ask? <laughs> I you, can't, he's dead. No, no, not, not von Ribbentrop. You need to ask the, um, the what's it called? Uh, my brain doesn't work Archbishop today. Archbishop of Canterbury. Not the Archbishop of Canterbury. The um, uh, Proclaimers. Very good. Doesn't, I mean, it's all getting cut Very out. Very droll. Okay. If I'd been able to go like that, but my brain is just mush. It's that baby of yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, another weird club. Was and this was I think my favourite club that I found in my research into yes. the Beefsteak Club. 
Ah. Which was dedicated to celebrating the beefsteak. Yes. Um, and uh, so it was in the 18th and 19th centuries. Uh, members wore special blue waistcoats. And their motto was beef and liberty. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. It's a nice, non-dirty <laughs> note to end on. After all this salacious yes. behaviour. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Shall yeah, thank we... you. Should we, uh, Should we adjourn? <laughs> <laughs> Should we adjourn to the Hellfire Club? <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. Actually, for the Beefsteak Club. Yes, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Beefsteak yeah. then Hellfire? <laughs> <laughs> oh, not in, not on one the same night. Indigestion. That's the problem with all those drugs and prostitutes. <laughs> Terrible indigestion. <laughs> so that's the end of our main facts. But before we go, why don't you tell people what else Under London Ground is and then let's roll out of here with some quick fire facts. <laughs> so under PPU, uh, so under, <laughs> <laughs> under London's Ground, uh, we offer walking tours and other interesting events. So we're hoping to do another pub quiz soon, which would be really cool. And yeah, we won. We won. We won. We won walking tours. <laughs> we we run walking tours, uh, which are We also won thing. walking tours as well. <laughs> we haven't won any awards yet. If you're an award giver, please get in touch. Um, so we've got tours on Roman London. Um, we've got one on death and burial in the city. And we also have one on the um, archaeology of entertainment spaces. And we're hoping to add some more ones very soon. Um, and we also have an Instagram, which is at underlondonsground, where we post cool photos and facts as well. Oh, and if you've enjoyed the podcast, what would really uh, do as a huge favour is if you Please. could like, share, uh, subscribe to the podcast as well. That would be fantastic. Please. <laughs> I will stop her from saying please in that voice if you just uh, make sure please. that you... Oh, God. Oh, guys, like she's... Simultaneously, so uh, sim- simultaneously trying out for both Little Orphan Annie and a part in Cats. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, quick fire facts. Oh, time. Do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah. So, Winnie the Pooh was actually a real bear who lived at London Zoo from 1914 to 1934. Um, and she was donated to the zoo after a Canadian regiment, which owned the bear, were called up to fight in France, so they left the bear behind. And then A.A. Milne, this isn't that quickfire, um, A.A. Milne took his son Christopher Robin Milne to see the bear, and she became the little boy's favourite animal at the zoo. Oh, that's so really his, cool. His dad wrote a book about her. Very cool. It's nice, isn't it? And here's my one. London buses used to be different colours depending on their route, which only changed in 1907, much to the detriment of the n- nation. Really? Yeah. You like the red? No, I mean, they should have had. Oh, you like the... Yeah, I love the idea of multicolour. Like, I do like that. Depending... For, but for, think how many a, routes there are. I now. know, but think how, how many colours there are. And you're going, is that the 134 see. or the 43? Yeah. It's a slightly different change of magenta. Also, really harsh and colourblind people then. <laughs> you can still leave the numbers. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> You have to make your own way, you have to find it. But also, men only see like 10 different colours, like blue, red... What? Orange, yeah. Look, men are really bad at distinguishing shades. Like women are like, it's it's actually a lavender. It's not purple. Um, wow. <laughs> in my experience, I have. Are you telling me that when I look at the Dulux color chart, I don't see the colors that I see? You just see red, 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 red. No, that seems fair. Yeah. Whereas women see like terracotta, rust. <laughs> On this bizarre Crimson. sexist rant from. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to be. It's just my own experience. Excellent. Right.
Yeah. I think you might know more colourblind people than you think. <laughs> My boyfriend is colourblind. Oh, come on, that's what it is. It's funny, he'll be like, you look nice this evening. I'm like, how, how would you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's so colourblind, he doesn't even see people. He's grey. <laughs> I think he sees colours. Grey or grey. Like a dog, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Right, shall we wrap this up? Yeah, sorry, I've, le- I've left it on a slightly sour note, guys. <laughs> Just think about the Hellfire Clubs and all that. And sexy, sexy Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Bye. And until next time, <laughs> uh, we hope you find something interesting near you. Bye. You've been listening to the Under London's Ground podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Under London's Ground and on our website, unsurprisingly, Under London's Ground, where you can book to have a tour of London given to you by an archaeologist. The music you've listened to through this podcast is provided by Brown Boots. Check them out if you can.